Yeah, I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> In the words of a good small group leader, how do we transition? Yeah, uh, we, we can't transition. Thankfully, nobody heard what was coming before this. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, if uh, you're an insomniac. Um, thanks for joining us. My name's Keith Knight. I'm one of the pastors at Stonebridge Church, southwest side of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Just hot in from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, and we, together... Um, some of our pastors here are going to be talking through some finer points of our sermon series. It's not a critique. Oh, Brandon, not a critique in case it's you're good. nervous it's about that. It's a little, a little sweaty. This is a podcast intervention with our lead pastor here. You know uh, that thing that Matthew 18 tells you not to do? We're about we're doing to do it, it publicly. In that case, I brought the wrong notes. Oh, shoot. I got plenty of notes. I got plenty of videos of Brandon. Uh, how do I transition from that, Steve Duffy? <laughs> do we want to Let's do an introduction. Let's do an introduction here. Okay. My name is Keith Knight. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, to my right at this table is... Josh Casey. Also one of the pastors here. Directly across from me at this very small table we're using today is... Steve Duffy. Also one of the pastors here. And uh, to my left... Brandon Levering. Who is also one, one of the, of the pastors. pastors here. Uh, this pos- podcast, 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 man, I can't even talk. This podcast is actually called In Context. It's uh, the way that we uh, make sure that everyone who listens to this knows that our business uh, here as a church is to put everything in the context of God's Word, of Scripture, and to make sure that God's Word as we deliver it is in context of itself, using Scripture to interpret Scripture and uh, making sure that, that as far as possible we take everything that we think and say and do and filter it through scripture, mm-hmm. uh, which puts us in, in a very interesting position um, now with uh, the sermon series that you've just kicked off, and uh, we're just going to dive in. We thought it would be helpful. We're, you want to just tell us what the yeah. name of the series is? So, you know, our, our typical practice at Stonebridge is to work through books of the Bible, as re- listeners will remember. You know, we've recently been in the Gospel of John and things like that. Uh, for the months of January and February, we are stepping out of John's gospel and kind of looking at a number of critical issues in our culture right now through the lens of the gospel. So trying to see the, the kinds of issues that have caused a lot of angst and anxiety and division and confusion, and uh, you just can't get away from them. They're always in the headlines. They're sucking up the oxygen of every conversation at mm-hmm. home. You know, these kinds of things that, that um, we just to take a moment and say, okay, how, how do we put those issues, those current issues, in the context of Scripture? Mm-hmm. How do we apply the gospel of Jesus to navigate them with, uh, you know, meaningfully engaging the, the world and culture God has placed us in without compromising the gospel. We want to be faithful, um, bear faithful witness in the midst of it. And so, uh, so, for instance, the next few weeks we're going to be looking at you know, the gospel and cancel culture, the gospel and politics or abortion, uh, the gospel and race, uh, expressive individualism, homosexuality, transgender. So, I mean, buckle up. I mean, it's going to be, you know, because, uh, again, it's, it's hard to go a few days without one or all of those subjects mm-hmm. coming up on the television shows you watch or right. the news or the, your, your social media feed or your own family conversations yeah. or your own, you know, everybody is navigating these in different ways. So how 
How does the gospel of Jesus, the good news of who God is and what he's done to deal with our sin and establish his kingdom through the, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, how does that actually give us the lenses we need uh, to navigate those issues? Mm -hmm. and so we started just by laying a bit of a foundation because uh, one of the critical components in this is, is recognizing who we are relative to the world we live in. And so we looked at 1 Peter uh, 2, verses 9 to 12 this last Sunday, and just kind of as, a, as an opportunity to slow down and welcome people to exile, like to understand and embrace our exile status, that the same gospel that makes us citizens of heaven also makes us strangers on earth. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't get that... Uh, it's like you know trying to button your shirt and you start with the wrong button and everything is messed up from that point on. If we don't get like our under our identity and and kind of the way I summarized it from those verses was that, that Peter kind of gives us three landmarks: um, mm -hmm. our, our unique identity. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, mm -hmm. uh, a people for his own possession. Uh, we have an unparalleled message. We are to proclaim his excellencies, the excellencies of him who brought us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And we're called to an upright character uh, that uh, uh, as we, you know, to uh, as strangers and, and sojourners in the world, we are to abstain from the desires of the flesh, the passions of the flesh. And we're to live such good lives among the Gentiles that though they see, though they accuse us of evil doing, they see our good deeds and glorify God. And so those three, uh, you know, virtues, priorities, they're kind of like landmarks we've been given. So uh, unique message, or unique identity, unparalleled message, upright character. And, and part of what I think happens often uh, with some of the division or the confusion is that it, it's kind of when we lose sight of one or more of those landmarks. I think that's often when Christians find themselves um, fighting inwardly. Mm -hmm. It doesn't explain everything. Right. But, but when you think about some of the particularly divisive issues, um, you know, how how is it that uh, maybe uh, losing sight of some of those landmarks might account for get you know getting lost in the wilderness or or getting or fighting over how to get there the proverbial you know mm -hmm. uh, this isn't the right way right. and you know bickering right. in the car and so on and so forth right. I, I wonder if some of that is behind those kinds of frustrations confusions arguments vilifications of mm -hmm. others and so on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the way that you summed up uh, this series was best put when you said, uh, I hope I have a job at the end of this series. I did say that. I did say that out loud. That's yes. <laughs> we also hope so. Oh, no, that's good. That's good. Thank you. We got your back. Yeah, I think that your idea of uh, the unique ID, uh, identity, the uh, unparalleled message, uh, the, uh, the upright character, I think you're, I think you're onto something there with, uh, I mean, it's, it's there in the text, um, but also... But just that idea that if you if you if you lose one of them, if you don't have all three, mm -hmm. it gets a little a little wobbly, you know, and that uh, you know, and that those misfires that come from that, or intentionally or or, or unintentional, um, are not helpful for you know gospel work. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I sometimes think you know, it, and I am not one of these you know, uh, I don't even know what the right term is. The, the orienteers, that's right, you know, people who go into the wilderness with a compass and then yep. just kind of challenge the themselves. I, I don't know how to do that. Um, but from what I understand, the, the idea of having, you know, you need a landmark. You need some sort of point of reference, right? Right. 
if you've got two landmarks, that's even better. Right. But even there, you're working on kind of a single plane. A third landmark allows you to kind of really triangulate your location, figure mm -hmm. out where you are and therefore where you need to go. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of a helpful analogy of thinking, okay, when I lose sight, say I've got my, my gospel message, but if I lose sight of the character that goes with that, mm -hmm. well, I've lost my credibility. Or I've, you know, uh, or, or, or if I, I have, you know, I understand my identity, but uh, I'm I'm not actually proclaiming the ex you know the excellencies of God. I'm just kind of holed up over here on my uh, on my own in my little safe holy haven. So keeping those three things in mind, I think, can be helpful. And I'm curious to hear from you guys. Like, is there a way to map that, whether to our own hearts, like the ways we find ourselves getting lost or wandering, or or or. Uh, confused or frustrated or whatever, or to even like just kind of larger examples in our cultural moment of places where the church is fracturing or getting frustrated or fighting incessantly or just confused and losing its way. Like, can we, so I, I've got a theory here. Mm -hmm. Do you, is there any credibility to theory? Is, is, is that something we can kind of map over and, and track. Well, I think each one of those points, each one of the points that you made, though, have their own arguments in those points, mm -hmm. right? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's where most Christians get caught up in. So even having the landmarks there, it's almost like, well, how do you detect whether or not that's the landmark? Is that the same tree we passed? Wait, is that the tree we're supposed to tell <laughs> right at? Or is that the tree? They said it would look like this. That one looks yeah, like so that. Fighting over whether, yeah, fighting over over the landmark itself. Yeah. Like even in yeah. Cedar Rapids, when I first got to town, they're like, "No, you go." You know, uh, I remember one of the guys wanted to work out from the church, and he said, to, "Hey, I'm on 15th." I said, "Okay." <laughs> so I was on. I'm driving up and down 15th. You know, on the other side of uh, where Kingston Stadium is. Like, there's nothing here that looks like a gym. There's nothing here that looks like a big shed. So I call him. Like, hey, dude, I'm on 15th. He's like, 15th Avenue or 15th Street? And I'm like, they're within eyeshot of one another? What the heck is wrong with this stupid town? Sorry, Cedar Rapidians. But, now, uh, were you on the north but, side or the south? <coughs> but he's like, well, the, here's the thing. Is I'm like, okay. He's like, where are you at? Or can you see the baseball field? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay. You know, But I could see the baseball field. You, the thing is, I could see the shed from where I was at on 15th Street down by Kingston, right? Mm -hmm. But I was not on where I was supposed to be. So mm -hmm. landmarks, yeah, 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 yeah. landmarks themselves don't necessarily mean that we are understanding the landmarks the same. Mm -hmm. So That's even good. when we talk about the gospel, you know, the gospel message, mm -hmm. in in some of these, people will make them. They'll say like, no, this is a gospel issue. Mm -hmm. So especially when you get into race, especially when when that comes mm -hmm. up and things like critical race theory and how much should Christians lean into those things, how much do we lean into the differences, or, or like, and, and some of that stuff is so touchy that you almost even feel like, maybe I even shouldn't speak about this because I don't have the same experience, mm. but then mm -hmm. you get people who are familiar with it, like Samuel Say, who is one of those guys that, you know, I think his handle is like slow to write, mm -hmm. um, but he, he has some really good insights, he's an uh, African, I believe, by nationality, I think he currently lives in Canada, he's got a lot of really important things to say that he might not even agree with someone else, mm -hmm. who's... Uh, who's African-American as mm -hmm. well. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? So yeah, like, yeah. What, what becomes a gospel issue sometimes is even hard to determine, like when we're talking about the gospel message, does my standard here 
Am I adding something to the gospel mm-hmm, message mm-hmm. sneakily, or am I taking something away sneakily? Yeah. That's what's confusing sometimes, because well, you might be like, well, I think, I think this is gospel. Mm-hmm. And it may, gospel maybe that's should. a good place to start, mm-hmm. like the distinction between gospel message and gospel implication. Mm-hmm. Right. I think yeah. that's so often what gets confusing. Right. And that would be, I think that would be helpful for people to even hear where, where we might struggle mm-hmm. with those things, because if I'm honest... There are some things where you, you do get caught up. Like I, I tend to sometimes make something a gospel issue that may or may not be an essential gospel issue, but it sure as heck feels in the moment like like mm-hmm. Jesus' honor is on the line. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is funny that we think we have to fight for the honor of Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, how, how do you guys summarize that? You know, gospel content versus gospel implication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, one, one place I go to make, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things I've been thinking about with regarding to youth and trying to talk about this unparalleled message is those distinctions mm-hmm. so that everything isn't lumped into under the umbrella of gospel and it gets confusing. Rather, I start breaking it down like the essential or the essence of mm-hmm. the gospel, and I think of 1 Corinthians 15, mm-hmm. uh, 1 to 5, you know, starting there and then building out from that benefits of the gospel, implications of the gospel, you know, right. those kinds yeah. of things. So that's, that's been helpful for me to ensure that when we anchor uh, the rest of this series into the message on Sunday, we anchor back into these truths, mm-hmm. and we make sure we keep reminding ourselves, because even as we move ahead, that can get blurry. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I go when I think about First Corinthians 15, um, along with the message yeah. that was given this weekend. That's good. That's a, that, obviously, that's one of the key. What are, what are some of your other favorite texts to anchor your explanation or understanding of the content of the gospel? Well, I think some of it, I mean, just within this, this, this passage here, um, it, it helps us. I just really struck at the, 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 the landmarks, the kind of the gospel, the gospel message changes a little bit. I mean, it's, there's, there's one transcendent gospel message, you know, God saves sinners through Jesus Christ in faith, you know, but um, the way that that applies to each conversation mm. is different. And mm-hmm. so I go to a, a multitude of different, you know, passages for how the gospel, you know, the anchors of the gospel there. Um, I think this was fascinating to me about how the, this this conversation works in this passage specifically is that idea of those of those landmarks of where are we going? What is the good? Where are we mm. ending? That idea of home, though it doesn't you know say it specifically here, it's implied when it uses the the identity markers of sojourner and exile. Mm-hmm. I, I just find that so fascinating that it's not describing what the home is. That's assumed. That's for another conversation. Mm-hmm. But to me, the gospel, how I proclaim it as a sojourner mm-hmm. and how I proclaim it as an exile, those are two. Those are different ways that I proclaim it. Yeah. But it's always going to be that same thing that you know, yeah. faith in Christ for for the forgiveness yeah. of sin. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, First Corinthians fifteen is such an excellent um, summary. Romans three twenty one to twenty six, and and there's so many great ones. But yeah, I think any time we are proclaiming the gospel, obviously the you know who God is. I and mean, this is this is if if you listen to enough of my sermons, you'll hear me say this definition of the gospel like probably every other week or something. But the good news of who God is, mm-hmm. like that's critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what he has done is doing to establish his kingdom. There's a kingdom context of the gospel and to deal with our sin. Um, There is an atoning uh, uh, priority of the gospel uh, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, Mm -hmm. the centrality of Christ. 
in the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. And so, uh, you know, and obviously you can summarize it in lots of different ways, but just that, that God is doing a thing with, for his glory with sinners to deal with their sin, to establish his kingdom through his son, like that is critical. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, that gospel applies to our lives in a thousand different ways, you know, uh, and it has implications for how we ought to honor God and respond. And I think the gospel implications are where we get into like a lot of the fireworks and sparks over, is this a gospel issue or not? Mm -hmm. Like I remember years ago, I wrote a blog post on how the question of homosexuality is a gospel issue. Mm -hmm. Um, Not because what one believes about that is determines whether or not one's saved, but what one believes about that often is an indication of whether or not you actually get the gospel. Right. Like, you, you know, to, to kind of undo the sinfulness of sin on that issue is an is a undoing part of the foundation of the core of the gospel. And so it becomes an implication. It's not, you know, essential to the content, but it is an implication, for instance. Um, now, you know, I had people disagree with me when I framed it that way, but, but to me, like, the... You can't live that, uh, you can't undo that aspect of sin and still claim fidelity to the gospel. You can be confused about it, but you can't knowingly do that right. and still be faithful, you know, those kinds of things. But that also points to, like, so one of the things that, that the gospel gets, I think, misunderstood as is escape that escapism. And so mm-hmm. when you view gospel as escapism, that, you know, bad things happen here, but one of these days we're just going to get rid of everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the story of the gospel is really it's not abandoning everything Correct. for the sake of something completely different. It's actually redeeming everything that has gone wrong. Mm-hmm. So even in design, I mean, we're not, what we're trying to get to or achieve or reach is the promise that all things will be made new and everything will be as it's supposed to be. Yeah. So our standard according to the gospel should be going for what, what actually increases and makes available human thriving, but yeah. real human thriving. Mm-hmm. And so that's why things like, you know, um, the reality about race, you know, mm. that the, the, the ultimate reality is every tribe and tongue yeah. and nation. Yeah. There is no place. Well, even if you look at the Mormons, and yes, I am taking pot shots at the Mormons <laughs> here. But if you look at the Mormons' own beliefs historically mm-hmm. and still mm-hmm. in their writings, they are not. They, they, would, act, they would actually say that being dark-skinned is well, a curse. Well, it was a, you were progeny of Satan right, in their original right. doctrine. Yeah. So, like, that's not gospel. Yeah. So that's why when people are like, hey, we're the same as Mormons, I'm like, we're not <laughs> nope. actually the same as Mormons. Like, we, we're not, we don't serve the same God. We don't serve the same mm-hmm. Jesus. We don't mm-hmm. follow the same gospel. It's very different. Yeah. But human thriving would say that we must act as though our ultimate reality is going to be with other people mm-hmm. who look physically have looked different than we yeah. are because it's in God's good design to bring all these things together. Same thing with sexuality. Like ultimately we realize it's not human thriving mm-hmm. uh, outside of God's plan for a man and a woman because the whole creation mandate comes from that. Yeah. How do you be fruitful yeah. and multiply? By sex between a man and yeah. a woman. I mean, yeah. so these things all like at the core, you, we do have to stop looking at it as just little pop-up issues to deal with because they irritate us. They really, they're not about escaping from all the sin that's here. Mm-hmm. It's more than that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where our arguments tend to be more like, how can we fix things here? So yeah. I've been, we're not going to fix things here. <laughs> yeah, I've been really helped, um, you know, by 
uh, just a, a little book by, uh, by Rebecca McLaughlin called mm. The Secular Creed. Mm-hmm. I think she does that, just what this passage is saying here of First uh, Peter is, is saying, um, uh, the proclaiming the excellencies of God. I mean, there's so many ways that it could go on how I've missed it or how I've seen American evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that, that would be good and helpful to say, hey, this is, this is right, this is not right. But she goes forward to, to kind of explain a little bit of what you're saying there, um, Keith, in, in saying that oftentimes when we see these, her, her, her book is basically off of those the signs that people would yes. put up in their, in in their yard. Um, yeah, and what is it? In this house, what is it? Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter, Love is Love, Women's Rights are Human Rights, All Are Immigrants, Diversity Makes Us Stronger. You know, and we have mm-hmm. that. And she says we oftentimes will, you know, get out the, get out the mallet and we'll either put a sign up because we're on one side of it yeah. or we'll take it, you know, smash the sign apart, you know, with the mallet. And so he's like, so what, what, but what we're called to, the gospel takes us to, is we have this clear understanding of what the gospel is, but we need to also speak of the excellencies of God in the midst of all of these kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. And so she kind of puts forward this, this idea that really what's behind is it, all of these statements is an idea that we, we are agreeing to kind of that some underlying essential truth of mm-hmm. each of these statements but that ultimately the gospel gives the fullest expression of each yeah. one of those. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and that even the statements that are being made by, you know, signs like that or, you know, liberalism, progressives, whatever mm-hmm. it would be, just the farthest expression of that would be lacking even on its own mm-hmm. yeah, it does you know, it, claims. Exactly. And so I think that's, right. that's kind of an interesting thing. So yeah. we always we feel like, oh, this is gross or this is weird or this is not what I do. And they just reject it. But we need to enter into it with the gospel yeah. and redeem the there's, whole thing. There's a there's a human longing that that echoes a longing for God's justice, God's design yeah. that's been corrupted, corrupted, redirected, whatever, compromised in some ways. Uh, yeah, what she does such a good job of is okay. Let's let's get under that and show how the gospel is that fullest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just reiterating what you said, but it is helpful because one of the things it can get, and I'm, we'll get into this in this next uh, Sunday when we talk about cancel culture. Woo, that's going to be fun, uh, but it's so critical this because... Is, this will be the easy one. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> because what, what's, so, um, what's so challenging is that, uh, you know, we, just even having the ability to have conversations about these things, that's almost impossible these days. Right. And so... So being able to like slow down and 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 make arguments and persuade one another and listen and learn and so on, all of that is, is so critical in those things. She she does a great job of uh, not just kind of uh, raising the flag and planting the banner of here I stand, but also trying to persuade those who disagree with her. Like that's one of the biggest disconnects we watch right now in a lot of the divisiveness is. We might be very convinced about where we're at, but we don't know how to talk to others who might think differently in any way that would be compelling or convincing or kind. Right. We just yell at them, mm-hmm. and you know, and and we're just which makes us feel better, yeah. But doesn't actually bear any faithful witness to Jesus. Uh, Steve can actually speak to this one. They the high schoolers went to Impact mm. this mm-hmm. weekend, yeah. mm. and uh, I Sean McDowell was the speaker there. It was great, and I. I asked them, I said, hey, years ago, I was at this youth workers convention. It's a room full of youth pastors. And Sean says, hey, we're going to do, we're going to have this little exercise. I'm going to pretend to be an atheist. Mm. Everybody knows he's a Christian. Mm. So he starts saying, and I want you guys to talk to me about, you know, reasons for faith or whatever. So 
you know, give me your best. So I'll argue back with you. So he starts, you know, the youth pastor will stand up and say, hey, what about this? But he just right back here's like throws something like an argument in their face. Over time, the youth pastors in the room were getting viscerally angry, <laughs> agitated with Sean. And he stops at one point knowing that Avery feels what's happening in the room. He's like, you guys know that I'm a Christian. <laughs> like, I'm not even an atheist. I'm just arguing points that an atheist would argue. And if you can't handle this, how in the world are you going to handle someone who actually is an atheist standing in front of mm. you? Right? And I think he did something yeah. similar this weekend, right? Yeah, and all the better when you have students who are less restrained in, <laughs> with their sin and actually... The, uh, right. the the in- the the tension and the I, intensity. I don't know, some of those youth pastors were. Like, <laughs> they had professional requirements That's for right. restraint. Yeah, they um the, the the tension and the intensity ratchets up via snarkiness and yeah, questions right. and, mm-hmm. and and laughing or, or everybody kind of clapping and saying woo you yeah. know when somebody like actually he owned has, him right exactly Burn. and you know that was enough that got it to the point and that was genius on the whole setup mm-hmm. but that got it to the point to ultimately reveal the heart. You know, and yeah, so right. when when uh, he said, "Okay, I'm done with my atheist, uh, you know, play here," uh, just calling that out in mm-hmm. a real uh, truthful and gentle way, a gracious way, and but highlighting the point that your demonstration right now, and that's exactly what the point was this weekend. Your character is not mm-hmm. in alignment with the message mm-hmm. that you claim to proclaim that mm-hmm. you that you're proclaiming. Uh, so to highlight what's underneath that, the heart, and so Sean mm-hmm. does that mm-hmm. uh, beautifully in. Uh, affirming the truths that we need to hold to and proclaim, yet doing so with a character that exemplifies a heart change, one that is after Christ. Yeah. And so it's beautiful. Beautiful. And I, w- I would say of the three landmarks, I mean, again, you, you, can, um, you can find examples of all sorts, but the character one is probably the one that stands out to me as uh, most lacking in recent evangelical rhetoric and discourse sure. over the last few years. Like yeah, we, fair. I think uh, we've, you know, for you know, kind of your, you've had this gospel resurgence so-called, right? So I think we've done a lot of work to specify and bring precision to what we're talking about with the gospel. Um, I think we've done a lot of good work on ecclesiology and understanding who we are as the people of God in Christ, as the church, and so on and so forth. Um, but the character piece, uh, it, for whatever reason, uh, and I'm sure there's lots of them, the heart being you know, a big part, it, it's interesting as reading, so a few, um, I don't know, a year or so ago, Colin Hansen, who, uh, he is the editor, one editor-in-chief of the Gospel Coalition, something like that, right. but he, uh, he about, what, 2008, I think, he wrote a book called Young, Restless, and Reformed. Mm-hmm. And uh, so most of us would probably identify with that movement in some ways, right? And, 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 oh, totally. And it was reading that book was like reading my story. It was so weird because I discovered Reformed theology not because I grew up in a Reformed context, but because I was studying the Bible and seeing it there and, and, and just the way he described his experience. And it was just like reading my own story. I just resonated so deeply with it. Mm-hmm. And, and so he kind of gave a, you know, a 15 years later type, where is the YRR movement? Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, the first phase, uh, people bonded over a common soteriology, mm-hmm. reformed theology. You know, soteriology simply means a doctrine of salvation. So uh, the, the, the doctrines of grace, the sovereignty of God and our saving work, it, it became this glue that bound people from multiple different church traditions together. 
the next phase of the of the young reform movement was more into ecclesiology. Mm -hmm. How do we work this out in the life of the church? How mm -hmm. do we, you know, and, and again, it was a season of unity, a season of just uh, wonderful, growing collaboration. The third phase, when it turned to public theology, mm -hmm. how do we apply this in our policies, positions, and postures toward the world around us, that's when a fracturing began within the movement. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, that coincides with a lot of things that were happening in the world. That coincides with kind of the, what many thought was gonna be the death of the religious right or, or the moral majority with, with uh, you know, people assumed Trump wasn't going to get elected the first time, and then he did. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, like, there's all sorts of things turning, but at the same point, that, that public theology piece, the, the posture and policies we take in our reform theology toward the world, today we've got people like, you know, you mentioned Samuel Say and, and Orvati Bakum and, uh, and a Russell Moore. So five years ago, those guys were tight and agreed on virtually everything. Mm -hmm. Today, there's this massive wedge because of how one faces and applies the gospel in public theology uh, to the point where sometimes they disavow one another, right? And, right. So, and so it's just kind of like, but and within that, I think there's, there's different aspects of, you know, the humility that, that keeps us from reducing a biblical principle to a single practice. I think that's one of the biggest things that's been lost. Right. But the other side is character. Like mm -hmm. there is just kind of a, how are we have, we, have we lost sight of that landmark in our urgency to, re, you know, to hold fast to our identity and to hold out our message but are we failing to do that with the very character of Christ that goes with it? Right. That seems like one of, and again, you know, you can spin it from multiple angles and, and see different, you know, but that's one that I've felt and experienced and mm -hmm. seen. I've experienced it in my own heart as well, because I get just as frustrated. Um, and, uh, and so, but that, you know, this is just one observation of uh, and, and I think it gets to some of what we were talking about earlier. Just when we lose sight, like we're, if you're being a jerk to atheists, you might be winning the argument, but you're losing the battle, right? Because why would I want that? Right, you but know? I think the worst, the worst part too is like if we're honest, like this, these discussions that we're going to be having, the sermons that are going to be happening are going to be happening. I'm sure there'll be some people who might be here who, who wouldn't, are not saved. Sure. But most people will be. Mm -hmm. And, the biggest disappointment, um, uh, the biggest disappointment with with all the, especially I would say with the reformed camp. Now, if you're listening and we t talk about reformed, reformed is really secret lang language for Calvinism. <laughs> if, if we're honest, <laughs> like it's some form of uh, some form of, of Calvinistic soteriology doctrines, um, in terms of uh, yeah. Anyway, but we can we can talk about it. And but not everybody who's listening, not everybody who, especially in EFCA churches, we don't all land on the same thing. So we agree. Right that there are some things that we're going to disagree about. However, what I've found is it's not just restless and reformed. It's there's never, for some people in the reformed, reformed camp, it's never reformed enough. Yeah. Like you're, it's your theology's not reformed enough. Yeah. It's not. You're not TR, truly, truly reformed. reformed. Yes. Which is hilarious <laughs> because if you read, if you actually have read all of Calvin, if you read his institutes, I've got the institutes, I've got his whole commentary, uh, you know, individual books and stuff. I, I love Calvin, but a lot of people, Calvin would be like, that's not actually what I believe. I believe <laughs> something like that, but not what you say that I believe. Be and so in yeah, the reform yeah. camp, what I've been most discouraged by is 
good theology, good mm. theology should produce humble character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It should. Bad, like good theology should never produce anger. Yeah. Because because good theology would say that the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. And guys, if you really believe that God is sovereign, none of this should surprise you. <laughs> none of it should surprise yeah. you. I don't understand why reformed people are continually surprised by the depravity of the world. Yeah. And that seem things don't seem to be getting better. I don't understand the surprise because it seems to me, no matter where you land, eschatologically, by the time you get to the end of all things, they're pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, that's so right. so why there is this outcry against like why we eat our own mm. is is completely preposterous to me over over what but that's where we get into like what actually is an essential gospel yeah. issue. Yeah. And for some people, especially in the reformed camp, so yes, if you're listening and you consider yourself reformed and talking to all of us, we we get so frustrated with it not being enough that we feel like we have to take it into our own hands and mm-hmm. like strong arm people into a, like having the same minute positions that we do or else you're anathema. Yeah, right? totally. And that's totally. just it's it's the most disheartening thing because when I, and this is just personally, right? when I discovered Reformed theology, it was life-giving coming out of legalism. Mm-hmm. Life-giving. At a certain point, a, cert- a certain section of, of the, our, our Reformed brothers and sisters become the gatekeepers for mm-hmm. whether or not you can even call yourself Reformed anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and then that becomes a gospel issue. Oh, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. songs that you sing, the... Um, the version that you use, like, the and the and the irony is like the Presbyterians who've been reformed for centuries are sitting back saying, "That's not how we do it." <laughs> you know, with the, the with the new gatekeepers and so on. So, but yeah, yeah, we we kind of again, which gets into both the creep of gospel message, like right. the content creeps out to include things bigger than it, but also the confusion of gospel identity. Like, what is it that actually makes us the people of God? What does it mean to be the people of God? Um, both of those can be compromised in that way. Well, and if you're talking about the wilderness, if you're talking about the actions of the people in the wilderness, there, it wasn't just people who wanted to sin. It was people who were not, it's not fast enough. It's not happening yeah. fast enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't believe you because we don't see anything that's actually happening. And as much as we stab the Israelites for this, like some of us who would say we have really good theology are the most impatient with God. Mm-hmm. This culture is not moving fast enough. We need to, we, we got to get somebody in there that's going to change everything. Yep. Well, we have somebody in there that's going to change everything. His name is Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it th- takes time. And I think that's like, that, uh, all of that's just so, so helpful and, and difficult. I think it's difficult yeah. for each of us to individually remember all of these, mm. you know, kinds of kinds of things there. Mm-hmm. You know, with that idea that we are sojourners in a land that's not our own, yeah. going toward our home. You know, the message, you know, is Jesus. Um, that's not to. Uh, I think it's that idea of then who are we talking to? You know, mm. who are we talking to? The audience uh, that we're talking to, and so that could be someone that's in a pew, someone that's in. Uh, your family, someone that's, uh, you know, just your own children, some, your neighbor, your, you know, your workplace, you know, all of those things. Um, I, I'm just so so struck with, uh, with, with how McLaughlin says this. I'm, I'm going to read this part here. First, it says, as we, as we enter into this thought of just how do we have that character, uh, how do we display the character of the message that we are proclaiming, we must recognize that the tangling of ideas in the secular creed has been driven not only by sin in the world out there, 
but also by sin in the church in here. Mm. And I think that yeah. one's so great. You yeah, know, the, uh, you know as, they, as they go through the wilderness, they're doing things just uh, a whole lot like everyone else. As they enter into what they thought would be their you know, ultimate home, they then say, let's do everything like they do. You know? and, mm -hmm. and so we're doing that. And so then when Christians or non-Christians uh, look at us, they say, you, know, I, you say something, but it sure seems you know, inconsistent with how you're acting because yeah. you sure seem to be doing the same thing as me. So why don't you just go for efficiency and not have to juggle all of that <laughs> yeah. and just do the thing you're doing? And I think that's the, that's, that's the tough part is because we model a way in which we are then you know, blasting, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and that's just, and I think that, that we have to understand that yeah. that's, you know, um, kind of the secular, you know, the secular way when we speak into the secular world, yeah, we've, are, we've helped it to be what it is. Yeah, totally. Which, which brings it back to the incredible importance of applying our message to our own hearts, mm -hmm. not just first, but nonstop, consistently, always, continually. Because uh, if we're not being changed by the message we are holding out that will change the world, <laughs> mm -hmm. either, yeah. you know, something's not connecting there. And so, yeah, just that, that critical aspect that, um, uh, you know, is the gospel what captivates our imagination more than anything else? Mm. You know, we, we might dream of, and, and we should dream of the day when all things are made new. I mean, come Lord Jesus. Uh, we might dream of, of, of foretastes of that in our time, mm -hmm. you know, seeing real change in culture and community and so on. And, and we should work and pray and bear witness for that end. But is the thing that excites us the most seeing people agree with my politics or seeing people agree with my, uh, my view of this, that, or the other thing, or the fact that Jesus is Lord and he is... Mm -hmm wonderful and and we get to proclaim the excellencies of him who brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light like if that's not the greatest thing about us and about our message and about our life then you know again we're we're, we're finding ourselves compromised or co-opted by the world in some ways um, sure. yeah. and there's plenty of gospel work the other thing that <clears throat> because we spend so much time evangelicals and you guys can weigh in on this too uh, the more that I look at news, the more agitated I get, mm -hmm. and the more I think something major has to be done. But then over the last, like even over the last couple months, I have had a number of interactions with people who are really struggling. Mm. And some of them are saved and really struggling. And some of them, like I just got contacted last night, a young guy who's willing to meet, who's just in a real bad place mm -hmm. in his 20s, made really bad decisions, and at least he's willing to get together. Mm -hmm. There are so many opportunities for us as, as believers to see small changes yeah. in people who are near us who really need the gospel. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, whatever your outrage is over the things that you're finding in culture is not ultimately going to change the culture around you. What will start to change the culture around you is us being interested in the people yeah. who are close to us, who need to be paid attention to, who have gospel things happening in their heart, but many times we are not we're able to see those opportunities because mm -hmm. we're so enamored with the idea that we can make these massive changes in the world mm -hmm. through our Facebook account or being <laughs> an influencer that we ignore what is actually gospel work, which yeah. is sitting down with people 
and sharing the gospel yeah. with them and seeing the incremental life change yeah. in them. I just think we're so, I think most of the reason we get hung up on this stuff is because we have these delusions of grandeur that each one of us is going to be the one to like write that one article or write that one book mm-hmm. or say that one thing on social media that everybody's just going to swoon yeah. on. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a sad, it's a sad state. Yeah, that's good. It, it reminds me of a, of a couple of things. Uh, one was a, a recent article Samuel James wrote for Mere Orthodoxy, which if you haven't, right, I don't know, if I think I sent it to you guys, but oh my goodness. Yeah, he's writing about that very thing yeah. where um, the local, like, and, and in some ways, that, that disillusionment you just described is a product of earlier iterations of not just the Young Reform Movement, but the whole digital online world, where we became so online uh, that we were trying to shepherd the entire cosmos instead of our actual flock, right? right? We're speaking to issues from the pulpit that nobody in our congregation is even aware of because we live more on Twitter than we do with our people. Right. Oh man, I found myself doing that at times, especially you know in, in Boston and whatnot, because it was that was the thing. And 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 <laughs> James puts it just this little very sharp uh that it, it became the got to the point where the measure of your moral character was really just more about being very online mm-hmm. like why aren't you talking to this issue why aren't you condemning that why didn't you make a statement on this right. well the only virtue that comes around is being very online as opposed to like knowing your people and loving them and so on and 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 he you know kind of predicts that we'll see less of that you know, and, and he's speaking to broader cultural movements and whatnot. But it, it just really struck me as um, as wise and and uh, applicable that the more we lean into the people in our lives, which doesn't mean you bury your head in the sand and never listen to the news. Right. But we weren't meant, and, and I'm not, I've, others are saying this, I'm just echoing it. We weren't meant to process this much information all of the time, mm-hmm. the way that the internet and, s- and our smartphones and so on have, have kind of forced us to. And the more we pull out of the outrage machine, because outrage, and again, this is this is getting into next week, but you know, uh, outrage gets clicks and clicks sells advertisements, and here we are. Like this is a business model mm-hmm. for public media consumption, and we are willing uh, participants in it. And and so, but the more we can actually like pull push back from the keyboard and and stop following the latest dust up on the internet, uh, and and actually like call the people in your congregation who are sick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the world is changed like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it really is. Yeah. One one couple things uh, on uh, related to that, but also just from a recent uh, discussion in a study this morning is. Finding already that there's an eagerness to jump into all these topics, um, but the necessity to anchor back in these three mm. key landmarks and uh, some things that are uh, that I'll be sensitive to as we move ahead that became clear this morning are you know definition of terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even saying gospel issue. Mm can get confusing. Mm-hmm. You know, we started out the podcast here defining what is the essence of the gospel or the core and then built out from that. But saying something is a gospel issue and letting that be the normative term mm. might uh, be a veiled new mission. 
potentially. Like this mm-hmm. is a gospel issue. There, therefore, this is now the new mission of me okay. or my church. Yeah. So just good. the definition of terms. This is going to come up in every topic. Yes, we talk it is. About. So, <laughs> and the other the other thing is just the um, the need uh, to the need to understand contextualization and meaning that. As I understand these three core areas that were mentioned Sunday, um, the identity, the message, and the uh, character, how those are anchored into Christ, mm-hmm. uh, the, and not that it's all about me, but how do those, each of those tether into Christ himself mm-hmm. and his finished work, mm-hmm. but to have that be so central and foundational to everything I do so that when I contextualize, meaning even the conversation at work or even mm-hmm. the... Uh, the topic that we mentioned previously that it could be a gospel issue. In other words, uh, I think it, I think what you had mentioned was um, Reformed folks who uh, were holding to this is the right view of Reformed theology and, and the right expression of it. And uh, but I, what I sense is the gospel issue in that is pride. Mm. You're like I've got the right <laughs> answer. So the gospel opportunity and issue here in the contextualization is in that space where sin has affected something mm-hmm. is the gospel opportunity. I contextualize this message for that specific mm. element of where, where sin has corrupted that. There's my gospel opportunity. Mm. And so this morning, the conversation was, uh, you know, we talk about all the hot-button uh, um, issues in the culture, but where we landed this morning is, well, what about our homes? Mm. You know, yeah. What about mm. the places, the lots that God has given us? We don't have to add on all these other things that social media might or yeah. other places might draw us into. But we've, we first really do would do well to evaluate with the lot and the lots that God has given us in our homes, our workplaces, elsewhere. It, it's cause, after even this message last weekend, to evaluate how am I doing there, what are, where is my heart in each of these areas, mm. so that I'm in the right position and the right posture to engage in all these other issues that we'll be talking about. Yeah. So just a, it was a sweet place to land this morning. Um, again, the heart check for ourselves. Mm, that's uh, good. Moving forward. We could go on. We could. <laughs> We're not going to. <laughs> um, <laughs> as, as we close up shop here, this is just a, uh, of course, if you're in town here, if you listen to the podcast and you uh, attend or are a member at Snowbridge Church, uh, we hope that this is giving you some more things to think about, to process through. If you have any questions about any of these sermons or podcasts, contact Brandon. No, I'm just <laughs> uh, you can send us an email. You can actually email me, uh, keithk at stonebridge.church. I'll be happy to take those. Um, if you have any more questions pursuant to anything that we've said, this would be a good uh, venue to make those known. We can sort through mm-hmm. those and and such. But uh, I would just say that um, whether or not you're joining us via audio or live stream or in, in person, you would just continually pray that the Lord would use um, his word mm. to speak to your heart and that we would always, uh, you know, as Steve just really kind of nailed it, um, that we'd approach these things with humility and, mm. and checking our own pride. If we feel ourselves start to get angry mm. and frustrated, uh, maybe the first question to ask is, what what thing, what sinful thing is lurking inside of me that <laughs> I feel, you know, this this great anger towards? So mm. that's just some good di- diagnostic questions for us. But um, we're going to be back um, through the course of the series to talk about each thing. I'm excited to talk about cancel culture just make sure you don't get canceled. Week. But before, if you say something <laughs> that I don't like Sunday, 
you're not invited <laughs> to the podcast. Is that why you're sitting closest to the door so we can open <laughs> so up and push him out? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, for any context, uh, we're, we're excited to talk to you again next week. Uh, thank you, fellas, for joining me. Absolutely. Uh, we are so cramped in here this morning. It's, it's awkward, more, uncomfortable. More comfortable I can smell week. Keith's breath from my microphone. You probably can. It smells just straight up it's like coffee. coffee. Yeah. Mm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, peace out. <laughs> <laughs>